You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arique, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore and Jackson. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I kind of had a little bit of a heart attack on that game. It was, <laughs> it, 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 it was a little too wild for my taste. Um, you know, granted, probably one of the most amazing finishes I have seen uh, in uh, Fresno State Bulldog history. Uh, well, what about you, Jackson? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, especially at home, <laughs> it's been not a lot of close finishes for the last several years. You know, the Bulldogs were really, really good for a while, and they had the Druder years that weren't so hot. <laughs> I kind of have to go back to 2013 to those Rutgers and, and the Boise State games, and I know in 2019 there were some close games, but they were all losses, and even when you go back to last year with the UCLA game, I, I like this game a whole heck of a lot better. And the Bulldogs were uh, uh, right on the verge of sealing that Bruins game before they ended up having to come back. So this was a game where it felt like the Bulldogs had already lost it. Then they pulled off a miracle, which you know, I think a lot of Fresno State fans can point to games where they feel like the Bulldogs blew it. And not so many of these where they just miraculously came back. So it was certainly a, a fun way to finish a game that had not gone all that well for the first 55 minutes and uh, the fans that stayed all the way till the end were treated to something they'll never forget that's for sure yeah let's let's go ahead and set the stage for this one jackson we've got a couple of possessions fresno state gets into the red zone has it intercepted in the end zone on one possession on another possession has it intercepted in the end zone again and one uh possession they went uh, for a field goal and it was blocked I mean, it, you couldn't write this for Hollywood any better, Jackson. It just seems like everything that Fresno State kept trying to do was working against them, uh, just trying to get points on the board. And then at the end, Fresno State scores a touchdown, goes for the onside kick, recovers it on the very next play, throws another touchdown, and kicks it off, and then on the very next play, intercepts it to seal the win. All within less than what thirty seconds? <laughs> I mean, uh, you you can't write this, right, Jackson? It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, it was wild, and as you mentioned, yeah, there was even another time in the red zone they landed on a fumble, and four plays later, it's a turnover on downs, and a couple of those missed opportunities, San Diego State answered right away with a score. Um, you know, a couple of plays later, they're making a big play, and all of a sudden the field slips too and the Aztecs were putting points on the board and I mean you go into the red zone four different times without points and uh, especially the last one where the Bulldogs uh, David Perales gets a strip sack uh, at the 10 yard line the Bulldogs I mean that felt like the miraculous recipe needed there late in the fourth quarter to get that play and then Jake Hayner throws three incomplete passes and then Abe Montano's uh, field goal gets blocked, and the, the, that was about where I pulled the plug on this game. I thought it was over after that. And, uh, man, they they were able to get the ball back. They had, the, I mean, a pretty long touchdown drive, all things considered. It took them almost three minutes to get the first score. They only left 109 on the clock with no timeout. So the only way there was ever going to be a chance to win that game was to get an onside kick and, wow, did they do it, and it was executed so well. Uh, onside kicks are just so rare, as everyone knows, and it's gotten even tougher this year. Uh, Fresno State has only attempted one. It was the first one all year, so maybe you might not be aware, but you can't bounce it up in the air like you used to. If you bounce it off of a, you know, the kicker would try to kick it off the turf and then into the air, kind of make it like a jump ball, like a three flags up type of situation for so many years in the past, and They've changed that rule to where the receiving team can call a fair catch on that. And so it's basically eliminated the one hop. So you really have to kick it on the ground and hope you just get kind of a weird roll and hope you land on it. And yeah, the Bulldogs, they executed it perfect. They went right past the reach of two different Aztec returners and bounced off their hands. And 
Uh, you know, when you do a one bounce, usually you're going to recover it if you do around midfield. Bulldogs got it all the way at the 37-yard line. And even if they hadn't scored a touchdown, they could have kicked a field goal to force overtime. But for me, he get the catch, flip through a defender. It was a nine-second play <laughs> that came after the touchdown score. Uh, I mean, wow, what a, uh, a – it was only 14 seconds of game time from the uh, Bulldogs' first touchdown to the second touchdown and a two-point conversion in between 15 points. And, and then to top it off because – there was still almost a whole minute on the clock. The Aztecs could have gone down and scored. And the way they had played in that game, it wouldn't have been out of the question. Uh, but I believe I was standing there looking at the next guy and goes, there's still too much time on the clock. They'll find yeah. a way to lose this. <laughs> and then the, uh, the unlikely scenario, not just an interception on the first snap for San Diego State, but for Carlson Johnson to get it, a guy who has never played a snap for Fresno State, before that game, uh, you know, he was a junior college recruit back in the winter time, uh, the second round before the February National Signing Day. One of the last guys, late guy in the recruiting process, and uh, didn't get to come in as an early enrollee. Showed up uh, out of the junior college ranks at fall camp, and two weeks into practice, he drops a weight on his foot and breaks it. <laughs> and you know, we thought maybe he might not come back at all this season. And if he did, which happened to be last week, uh, you wouldn't have anticipated he would have gotten on the field so quick. But there he was when the defense needed to make one stop to win the game, and he picked off the pass. So, I mean, just so many crazy storylines in that game. The kicker, Dylan Lynch, a true freshman from Bakersfield who's had to step in for Abe Montano, wasn't able to carry the load of both kickoffs and field goals after the first few weeks of the season. Uh, they passed it off to Lynch to handle that. Uh, for him to have a perfect onside kick, uh, a guy like Elijah Gilliam landing on a muff punt by the Aztecs, which turned into a Bulldog touchdown earlier in the game, proved to be huge. That was when the Bulldogs were down 28-10. to 10, And that play set up the even the opportunity to come back from 11 points, which still looks unlikely. And, um, I mean, just a lot. And then we haven't even talked about Jake Hayner and Evan Williams coming back and, uh, you know, kind of, had a feeling it might happen, but that's still a pretty insane storyline for those two. Not only to come back, but to be 100%, play the whole game. Um, it was said in the week leading up to the game, they didn't know if Evan Williams would just maybe play some third down situations or uh, you know how active he would be, maybe a few series, but he played the entire game. And then Hayner as well, um, he told us on Monday that the diagnosis he revealed was 10 to 12 weeks to recover from his injury at USC. Well, the San Diego State game was just six weeks, so it was a pretty big comeback for Hayner himself to help lead the Bulldogs comeback against San Diego State. Just so many different things um, that went into making what was such a memorable game possible. Uh, it was pretty crazy to see, and uh, it's, for Fresno State, you're very fortunate to get out of there with the win. Um I mean, they were favored by 10, and it felt like the Bulldogs, in a lot of ways, were the better team, but they just weren't capitalizing on red zone possessions, and the defense kept breaking down on third down. It, it just, you looked at the score, and it was just hard to believe the Bulldogs were down by so much. And so it was a uh, game saving performance and really a season saving performance to stay in first place for the division. Yeah, absolutely. This, uh, this game, um, it, it it sealed the deal. Now the Bulldogs are in, you know, the driver's seat, so to speak, in the West Division because uh, now they have the tiebreaker not only over San Diego State but also San Jose State. Uh, and so if it came down to a tie between those two teams, Fresno State has the tiebreaker and ultimately wins the division. So uh, for the Bulldogs, couldn't have a, a better outcome. But... It took a lot of things to go right for that to, to happen. And for once, everything went right for the Bulldogs at the end of the game. <laughs> uh, you know, Jake Hayner uh, makes his debut. He decides to dress up for uh, Halloween and show up uh, as a, the starting quarterback for Fresno State. And uh, ultimately um, was the, the catalyst to make this game uh, happen and a win for the Bulldogs. 
because I don't think without Jake Hayner in that spot, I think the Bulldogs would have had a really tough time executing everything at the end there like they did. Uh, nothing nothing against uh, the backup, but Hayner has a habit of coming from behind sometimes on things like this. Right, Jackson? Yeah, and uh, another factor is that Hayner was sacked seven times. Yeah. The, the O-line did not give him a whole lot of help. The Bulldogs didn't run the ball entirely great. Uh, you know, the, I believe the final statistic was negative three rushing yards, which is a bit <laughs> deceiving because seven sacks, I mean, you're losing five-plus yards just about every time, and that in, is included in your rushing yards. So it wasn't that bad if you're talking about Jordan Mims and Malik Sherrod, but it was nothing like the week before in New Mexico where uh, they were running all over the Lobos and Fife had all day to – read the plays and you know make his reads and everything and execute the offense they really needed an improviser and an experienced leader to get through this one especially after Dante Bull got injured uh it turns out he's broken his leg that's going to be a season-ending injury when he was carted off the field and the Bulldogs had a tough time getting by without that or without him out there it was already difficult before uh, but they got more troublesome after that and Another thing that Jake pointed out after the game was that he noticed some things with the pressures and the way Fresno State was set up and how if they maybe went more four wide, more spread, and just aired it out that it was going to be uh, more successful against that defense. And I mean, that's just a, a 2.0 level of leading the offense that uh, the backup, uh, Logan Fife, whoever else would be in there might not be able to make or might not have the trust from his offensive coordinator or head coach to be listened to and to make those changes. Uh, it really takes a guy that started 20 plus games and has, you know, received awards and that kind of thing to be able to have that much pull with the coaching staff to change the game plan around. So, um, and even the two interceptions that Hainer had, uh, I mean, Josh Kelly fell on one, uh, it was hard to see, but apparently on the second one, uh, the ball got tipped just enough on the line of scrimmage where it looked like it was really underthrown and picked off. So uh, even some of the struggles that Hainer had, uh, some of that was kind of out of his hands between those two unusual passes and the uh, all the sacks that came his way. Yeah, I mean, it just – San Diego State made it – difficult for him uh the offensive line wasn't doing him any favors um not giving him any time but the the times that he did have time he found his targets and they they were moving down the field very quickly um the the problem is it's just giving him the time to do so uh he can't expect him to do to make plays on his back right jackson <laughs> it's kind of hard to throw the ball when you're laying down <laughs> so um it it's been it it was very difficult for that offensive line. Now, granted, once Dante Bull was was pulled, it seemed like uh, whoever went in there in his place did a a really good job because it seemed like uh, he started to kind of get a little bit more time as the game progressed. I don't know, Jackson. That's just my thought. What What did you see on that? Did you see kind of the pocket starting to hold a little more uh, after Dante Bull departed and the, the offensive line kind of had to rally uh, to try and figure out what to do next? Yeah, so from, you know, it, it's tough to, you know, when you're watching the game, especially from us on the field, <laughs> pay attention to everything that's going on to see all 11 guys while we're, our eyeballs and camera lenses and whatnot. <laughs> I'm putting uh, you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so why I, we do our insider game notes after each game, and we uh, utilize some of the information from Pro Football Focus there. And uh, I know Daniel Tamalolo, who stepped in for Dante Pole, he he got uh, kind of blamed for the remaining hiccups. <laughs> I mean, he, <laughs> they credited him for a lot of the pressures that were given up. The Bulldogs gave up. 26 pressures, which that was when the quarterback is hurried. Not all of them in the sacks, of course, but uh, typically you, you don't have that many. And, and Tom Alola was credited for quite a few of them. So if you want to check out our, VIP, our insider notes on the VIP board, we kind of break down which linemen graded best against the pass or the run and, and who gave up or who was like blamed for the, the sacks. They track all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of neat. Um, but it did seem like what really changed things for the Bulldogs was the change in philosophy. They 
went away from using the tight ends and uh, Trey Watson had already been hurt. So that was a little easier to do as well. They, they went spread the four wide, more of the stuff we saw last year. And you know, when you spread out the field more and you've got more receiving targets spread out, you're not able to put as many defenders in the box and not able to rush as many guys without leaving someone open. So I think the strategy there, um, it gave Hayner a chance to not have so many players coming at him and to win those battles with his arm, uh, which he ended up doing at the end. Yeah, it just seemed like they, they, they were forced to kind of change uh, the game plan a little bit once Dante Bowl left, uh, which uh, inadvertently opened up the playbook a little bit more for <laughs> for the Bulldogs and the opportunity to make plays. So, uh, it, it, you know, even with... Uh, the big loss of having Dante Bull go down, it, it it kind of inadvertently worked in the Bulldogs' favor uh, at that point and kind of opened up the game a little bit and was able to get uh, things rolling there after a, a while. But Jackson, watching what you saw, how the Bulldogs struggled, and, uh, and just how easily uh, San Diego was able to get into the backfield concerns uh moving forward on that offensive line definitely uh, i mean you hoped that the bulldogs were going to be past that after seeing how great they played against new mexico the week before and you know you always expect san diego state to be a, a better more talented team than new mexico but statistically the lobos defense have been playing very well they seemed like they were going to be a worthy challenge for fresno state's offense which had been struggling going into that game and the way the Bulldogs just dominated and executed with the O-line first and foremost, uh, you thought maybe they made a breakthrough. It felt like it was a major step back against San Diego State, but uh, that's where Jake Hayner comes into the, the fray. If you have Hayner, uh, he can make things happen when most other quarterbacks can't. And uh, you know, if you just have enough plays where he's protected well, uh, you're usually going to have success on offense, and you feel like you can mask a lot of that. Uh, you definitely need to run the ball more effectively though um, teams like well even Hawaii coming up we'll talk about that more here soon but uh, last year against Hawaii they just dropped a bunch of guys back in coverage and the Bulldogs couldn't run the ball and uh, Hainer ended up throwing a lot of interceptions that game so you need to have some balance and you need to keep defenses in check and uh, right now uh, just need to make sure you can get that running game going you've got two talented backs with Jordan Mims and Malik Sherrod so the line can just do their job. Um, I mean, they will go a long way, but it's concerning not only with what happened on Saturday, but without Dante Bull for the rest of the season too. Uh, definitely looks like a, a bit of a drop from Bull to the next options. That position is, is under competition as well. This week, Tomalolo has filled in twice, once uh, on Saturday and once at UConn. And uh, we'll see if someone else can uh, compete and, and beat him out for that job or if he's the guy uh, for this weekend. Yeah, it's definitely something the Bulldogs are going to have to kind of get that worked out this week right before uh, Hawaii comes to town. Uh, Try and figure out what to do on that offensive line. Things, The way it stands, things are not looking good for the offensive line. As far as I can tell, that is probably one of the weakest links Fresno State has right now is trying to figure out who is going to step up in that offensive line and 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 really hold the hold their ground because as it stands right now um Hayner is fighting for his life on every possession um and if he has to do that against Hawaii um it could be another another one of those long games where they're picking up Hayner off the turf and it, that's not something we want to see, especially after the type of injury that Hayner had, because it could very easily return and rear its ugly head, and uh, Hayner could be down. And if he goes down again, uh, you can guarantee that it will probably be for the rest of the season. Um, right, Jackson? I mean, just we can't afford to see that uh, that happen, uh, Hayner being on his back all day long. Yeah, that's the biggest concern. I think the Bulldogs can get by with giving up three or four sacks a game, not seven like this yeah. past weekend. But um, but the concern is, yeah, that you don't want him to get hurt. You don't want him to re-injure his current issue. You don't want him to be banged up. I mean, even in the past, we've never seen Hayner suffer a major injury. But he, a lot of times he's been limping out there and grabbing his hip or 
you know, something's ailing him when he's playing through pain. It felt like uh, on most games over the past few years. So uh, he's used to it, but you don't want to put him in that spot. It was, we're compounded with what he's already dealing with, with his ankle, foot, lower leg area already. Yeah, this is uh... – this is going to be uh, interesting to see. I'm hoping that uh, the, they'll be able to kind of shift some pieces around and make things work. So, the, you know, that's that's what we have to expect coming up against this Hawaii team. So let's let's go ahead and dig right into it, Jackson. We've got Fresno State uh, taking on Hawaii here uh, in Fresno, so things should be. Uh, a little easier because it's kind of it, it it makes things exponentially harder when uh, Fresno heads to the islands to play, but when they're here, um, things things t- tend to be a little different, and so Fresno State's offense uh, up against this uh, I almost said San Diego again, but up against this Hawaii defense or and uh, and just what they're able to do. How do you see this one shaking out, Jackson? It'll be interesting to see how Hawaii approaches this game. Um, you know, last year, this was a tough one for the Bulldogs, who had been playing really good football. They were riding high. Even before they went to Hawaii, they did have a tough game against UNLV, but uh, offense certainly wasn't the problem. They scored a bunch of points in that game before they went to the islands. And uh, Hawaii kind of changed things up. They really just dropped eight defenders back in coverage a lot of the time. And made Hayner make plays and Hayner threw for almost 400 yards in that game, but he had uh, four interceptions and the team had six turnovers and played kind of right into the hands of what Hawaii was hoping for. Um, since then, Hawaii has gone through major changes. Their head coach was let go super late in the process too, mind you, um, bringing in Timmy Chang uh, late in the game, um, almost a new coaching staff entirely. All their star players, you can look at about almost all of their top 15 players from last year entered the transfer portal with all the mess that was going on over there. And so it's almost a, a brand new team. But one guy that you're concerned about <laughs> still over there is their defensive coordinator, Jacob Bioro, who was a defensive backs coach last year. Uh, he knows the game plan that worked against the Bulldogs last season. And I wouldn't be surprised, even though they have a new head coach, some new schemes, and new points of emphasis on defense, that it would probably make a lot of sense for them to go that way again. So uh, this could be another one where they drop a lot of guys back in coverage, just keep everything in front of them, try to make Hayner make a bunch of plays or force them into some mistakes. And the real neutralizer for Fresno State could be if they can just run the ball. I mean, you can't send that many guys back into coverage if – uh, the other team's just running all over you, which is something the Bulldogs did not have last time around. They weren't able to rush for more than 3.8 yards to carry uh, last time around against Hawaii, and uh, Hayner actually accounted for quite a bit of those yards, but all those defenders dropped back. He had a little bit of running room to pick up some, some yards on the ground, so um, we'll have to see if the Bulldogs can run the ball. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot of pressure again on Hayner, and um, Hawaii just trying to limit those big plays, kind of bend but don't break, and, and hope they give their offense a chance to win the game. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be key is uh, the, that running game. Uh, Fresno State's going to have to keep Hawaii honest by by getting a running game going. If they can do that, uh, this Fresno State offense is going to be a lot more potent uh, against Hawaii um, than we've seen uh, against San Diego State, where. You know, there was no running game pretty much, and uh, Jake Hayner was, you know, having a, a seat watching this game on uh, from uh, from his backside for the most part of that game. So if, if Fresno State is able to get him protection and get that running game going, then it, it should make things a, a lot easier for the Bulldogs to kind of get things going. And um, But they're not going to be able to do it without – having a, a another great showing from the defense. And so Jackson, let's break it, break it down. You know, you got Fresno state's defense who have been pretty good so far this season, uh, up against, uh, this Hawaii offense. Now, uh, how, how do you see that one shaking out? Yeah, it felt like the Bulldogs kind of took a step back defensively this past week, but 
you can kind of narrow it down to just a small selection of plays that really bit them. I mean, they were forcing San Diego State into a bunch of third and longs, but the Aztecs just kept converting them. I mean, the two third and 11s and two third and sevens on touchdown drives in the first half that were converted. And typically the Bulldogs would be forcing punts in those scenarios. And this was a San Diego State offense that's not very good that they just played against. Uh, they've only scored six offensive touchdowns against FBS opponents all year, put up four against Fresno State and Valley Children's Stadium. So that was concerning. But we saw it kind of even out in the second half. The Bulldogs played a lot better and looked more like what we've been used to seeing. If they do that, they should be able to handle this Hawaii offense, which uh, has evolved. And just this team as a whole has really improved since they had a bye week at the beginning of October. Um, I mean, they were just getting destroyed in their first few games. Uh, Vanderbilt, Western Kentucky, Michigan, New Mexico State all blew out UH. And then they hit that bye week, and all of a sudden they've been competitive every game. Uh, they probably should have beat San Diego State, ended up losing by two at the very end. Uh, lost by four at Colorado State. Again, led that game until late in the fourth quarter. And last week they lost to Wyoming by seven. There was also a win in there where they beat Nevada 31-16. to And they haven't been overly overwhelming with the offense. They've been a little more aggressive, a little more settled in with Braden Shager, who stepped in as a starter last year. Uh, he was in a quarterback competition at the beginning of the year. Now he's really the guy, and he's settled in a little bit. They've implemented a little bit of run-and-shoot concepts, which were not there at the beginning of the year, uh, even though that's what Timmy Chang, their new head coach, was known for as the quarterback there. It's been more of a more of a basic air raid type of style, and it's evolving a little bit, and that's helping them out. Um, the biggest thing they've got going for them, though, is not really at the skills position, but on the O-line. They've got just a ton of experience. Um, Fresno State's old O-line coach, Roman Spolu, is coaching those guys. And Shager, while he hasn't played every snap this year, he's only been sacked five times all season. Uh, they've got a lot of impressive statistics on that O-line and probably more to do with pass protection than running the ball. But they do have a senior, Diedrich Parson, who's pretty solid, the physical guy who's not slow by any means. And a new freshman, Tylen Hines, who's gotten hot the last couple of weeks. Um, and then the one key player that's also made a big impact since their bye week is Zion Bowen. Uh, he is a really quick, deep threat type of receiver and really their best and most significant receiving target who got hurt in the season opener and missed all those blowout losses. And he's been a big boost to their offense as well. So um, it's not quite well-rounded. There's not a lot of big threats in the skills positions, but They've got some areas where they can uh, you know, make up for that. The O-line is impressive. The quarterback's good enough. And they've got a few guys that they can get the balls into their hands and make things happen. So enough to keep you honest. But if we see a Fresno State defense that's played the majority of the way they've played the last three weeks or so, uh, I think they'll be in good shape. They probably won't get as much pressure in the backfield or tackles for losses. But uh, I think the Bulldogs have been pretty sound outside of uh, a few of those third downs last week, uh, they've looked pretty good the last few weeks. Yeah, they they did look pretty good in certain instances. Um, it's just right now um, they they just need to put in a complete game. Um, it's there's been times where they almost had a complete game, but they're not quite there yet, Jackson. I'm 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 thinking that they they have one in them this year. Um, probably be a good time to, to kind of show up at some point and uh, and do it, especially against a Hawaii game, a Hawaii team that have nothing to lose, and they're going to be coming out um, Fresno State with everything they got. Uh, typically, when these two teams face, uh, you can pretty much throw the records out the window, um, as history has shown. So, concerns Jackson that this may be another one of those where doesn't really matter what the records show it's just you know buckle your seatbelt and, and get ready for it <laughs> that's what happened last year and uh, even with that in mind when Chevin Cordero was out with injury was, you figured there was no way the Bulldogs could lose to that team and they did so uh, <laughs> there's while they've lost a lot of key players there's still a lot of familiar names when you look down the depth chart and the 
the stat sheets. Um, they've added a couple of transfers and a couple of freshmen that are playing, but um, they've still managed to keep a, a lot of consistency on the field. It's just they're missing virtually all the star power they had from last year. But, yeah, uh, as you mentioned, this team's not got anything to lose. They're already 2-7, and seven, uh, theoretically. They get to 6-7. and seven. Uh, They could sneak into a bowl game. Um, they are pretty much out of the conference race at this point. And this is a coaching staff that um, struggled early on, but has taken some more risk lately and also is uh, not afraid to throw out a couple of tricks. Had a few trick plays the last couple of weeks, so that wouldn't surprise me if they try to do something there. And the other part is the Bulldogs didn't just lose to this team last year. They lost to them in 2020 also, which seems like forever ago at this point, a game with no fans in the crowd or anything. Uh, that was Jake Hayner's first start, and it didn't go very well. So uh, Hayner's thrown the ball over a lot to this team and um, kind of wants to avenge what's happened. I mean, the 0-2 against this program, but certainly doesn't want to go 0-3. Not many teams that have come across Fresno State schedule have had his number like them. So uh, Bulldogs will be motivated, but uh, UH is going to come in here thinking they got a shot too. Absolutely, and uh, I believe my uh, my dog agreed with you there. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, this is this is going to be one of those games where um, you know they they have nothing to lose, so they're going to probably pull out all the stops against Fresno State. Um, and and try and really make things very difficult for the Bulldogs. Now, um, I know the last game, Jackson, kind of sparse on the crowd, um, especially when the Bulldogs got down. <laughs> Boy, are those fans regretting it, right, Jackson? Um, <laughs> but uh, there were more tickets sold for this game than there was last week. Uh, after the showing the Bulldogs had last week, you think we we might have a, a an actual a stadium with a, a little bit more uh, bodies and seats? I would sure think so. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know the ticket sales kind of like they weren't trending all that great last week, and they ultimately announced thirty seven thousand tickets sold. It certainly didn't look like thirty seven thousand in the stands, but probably about thirty ish for sure, which was pretty good crowd all things considered and uh, certainly whittled down to maybe two or three thousand by the final whistle that actually got to see the amazing comeback um, but I think with the momentum of that exciting win and with people now they know they have a whole week to know Hainer's back and uh, that it's not a competition with Halloween parties or anything uh, I don't know if they'll sell it out but uh, if it's even if it's only the same amount of tickets sold, I think more people will be in the seats and utilizing them. And hopefully this time around, staying a little later, uh, if the point spread is any indication, they might have a chance to leave early with the big lead. But you just never know <laughs> with this team and this conference. It's been very difficult to predict, and you get a lot of variations of results within the conference. And so there's a lot of different things that can happen on Saturday. Absolutely. Uh, all I know is that it's going to be a cold one, so uh, bring a coat <laughs> and be ready for it because the temperature is starting to drop here in Fresno, and it's a uh, it's about time. I'm I'm ready for summer to be over, so um, I'm kind of glad that the weather's changing on us here. Um, but that being said, Jackson, we've we've covered what is ha- up and coming now for Fresno State against Hawaii, and now. Now it's time to take a look at what has happened around the Mountain West because with that that win, Fresno State is now in sole possession of the West Division. Even though Fresno State and San Jose State have the same record at 3-1, and one, Fresno State ultimately is the leader there because they have the tiebreaker. Um, so it's Fresno State, then San Jose State. San Diego State is tied with UNLV. Hawaii, and then Nevada at 0-5. So Fresno State in the driver's seat. Um, And, of course, on the flip side of things, in the Mountain Division, Boise State still with a 5-0 conference record. Then it's Wyoming uh, at 4-1. Utah State at 2-2, along with Colorado State and Air Force at 2-3. And And then New Mexico bringing up the rear at 0-4. So the that's where the standings are right now. 
now the games that are coming up this week uh we're gonna go ahead and dive into those real quick and what they mean as far as the conference is concerned but as of right now uh the very first um game on the schedule you've got air force taking on army and we kind of touched upon this last week jackson for the fans out there who loved these armed forces games um you know air force kind of has the edge right or is it army i I don't know i don't follow these guys jackson what what do you got (laughs) uh right now air force is going in as a touchdown favorite on the road um but yeah when you have these games there's a lot less possessions it's a lot well the game is slower, but that means there's it's faster because there's less plays. Um, <laughs> so uh, you, you kind of wait and kind of see what happens at the end of these types of games. But uh, Falcons are favored. Uh, they'll have a chance to claim the Commander in Chief Trophy. They get that win, and um, you know, they are five and three. That would secure bowl eligibility. They should have some more winnable games going forward. But uh, this should be a big deal for the Falcons, considering. Uh, conference play hasn't gone the way that they hoped. Absolutely. Uh, that uh, right now the Air Force, all Air Force can do is try and uh, and make a, a point that they're uh, going to gonna get that, that trophy for the armed forces. So, you know, a lot of luck to them on that one. The next game, we've got New Mexico taking on Utah State. And uh, New Mexico with a 2-6 and six record overall. Uh, against a, a Utah State who is three and five overall, um, not not really a huge game there, Jackson. Other than Utah is still in the race for uh, a, a conference a division kind of a chance at playing in the Mountain West Championship. Um, so this game means a lot more to Utah than it does to uh, New Mexico, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know Utah State sitting at two and two, and uh, technically you know, they still have to play Boise State. There's a, a small chance they could sneak in, uh, but it's got probably a, more realistic. They got a long, long yeah. way to go. <laughs> uh, probably more realistically, they're they're shooting for bowl eligibility, and with New Mexico and the trip to Hawaii back to back, they they could fight their way back to five and five. So uh, still some some things to play for there. They've had a lot of trouble at quarterback. Uh, a lot of injuries this season, and I don't know if they're getting anyone back in time for this game, but it should be enough to beat the Lobos regardless of who they got in there. Both teams are coming off a bye. That might make this one a little more interesting. Absolutely. Um, now, the next game, I, I believe this game has a lot on the line for both teams, and that's UNLV takes on San Diego State. San Diego gets this one at home. However, after the loss to, they took to Fresno State, are they going to be a little bit in shock, Jackson, and and then having to take on a UNLV team that's uh, really been coming on strong? Yeah, that's the thing. The Rebels, they came out fast this year, but they have had their share of bad, bad weekends <laughs> as well. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah, they're coming off 44-21 at Notre Dame, the loss, 42-7 loss to Air Force, 40-7 loss against San Jose State. Uh, so that's a team that is probably not going to have very high spirits as well as San Diego State. But the Rebels, it sounds like they're getting closer to getting Doug Brumfield back, which is bad news for the Bulldogs, you knowing that the Rebels are coming up next week. Uh, if Brumfield plays, that makes this game a whole lot more interesting. Um uh, I'm just not sure if, if he's going to be ready, but if he's out, San Diego State should win this one convincingly, even with what they just went through here in Fresno. If Brumfield's out there, uh, it could go either way. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, hopefully uh, he stays out for another two or three weeks. Uh, so we'll <laughs> see what happens. Um, the next game, um, again, this is another one of those games where I believe neither team likes each other. Uh, BYU uh, does not like Boise about as much as Boise likes BYU. Uh, but Boise State has this game at home against BYU, who uh, – I, I don't know. I haven't followed them much, so I'm, I'm going to leave this one to you, Jackson, to kind of give me a, a little inside scoop. Yeah, it was just a few weeks ago. BYU was pretty highly ranked. <laughs> they beat Baylor earlier this year when uh, the Bears were in the top 10, and it's kind of gone do- downhill for, for BYU since then. Now they're sitting at 4-4. Four four. Uh, they just lost a heartbreaker to East Carolina. 
on a, a final field goal, and uh, they just haven't looked at themselves the last couple of weeks, whereas Boise State, opposite side, started off real slow, and now it just feels like they're just uh, on a roll right now. It's going to be really tough to stop. So um, I would expect the trends to continue for uh, the Broncos to get this one, and uh, it would be win number five in a row for Boise State after starting two and two. Yeah. Um, so uh, who knew? All you had to do was start firing coaches, and then all of a sudden uh, <laughs> you start winning, right? <laughs> so and and losing your starting quarterback. Wow, uh, a lot of a lot of things happened there, and Boise is uh, proving that uh, the the issues they were having uh, were easily fixable. <laughs> so a lot of teams need to take note of that. <laughs> um, moving forward, we've got the next game: Colorado State. Uh, takes on San Jose State, and I believe that is another one of those games that uh, would have some some sort of implications, especially uh, helping Fresno State if uh, Colorado State can knock off San Jose State. That would keep Colorado State in that outside chance uh, of, of moving up in their division as well, but it would help the Bulldogs um, uh, open up that lead a little bit further on San Jose State. Yeah, the Spartans are, are coming in as 24-point favorites, but that was about the same line they had last week against Nevada. Pointed out Nevada's kind of been Spartans' kryptonite <laughs> two decades or so, and, and that game was as close as you could imagine. Also, San Jose State playing with heavy hearts. Uh, we're dealing with the loss of Camden McWright, who passed away tragically uh, eight days before that game. Um, they're, they're freshman running back, and you can even tell uh, – in the days since they have you know got on the field and won and found some normalcy, there's still uh, kind of a, uh, some struggles and some emotional things that they're dealing with uh, still uh, as they should be, but um, that's hanging over them and it, it can make some of these games maybe a bit closer than the Vegas odds makers would anticipate. Uh, the Rams have been playing up until Boise State. Uh, they played three very competitive games. So, again, wouldn't be surprised if this one's a lot closer than the spread says, but the Spartans should be able to find a way to win. This is a, they, you got to keep watching San Jose State because if the Bulldogs trip up somewhere in these last four games and the Spartans win out, then even though Fresno State beat San Jose State, then the Spartans will be going to the conference championship game. Just like last year, the Bulldogs beat San Diego State, but San Diego State finished with just that one loss, and the Bulldogs lost two others. Aztecs advanced. So, on the flip side, if San Jose State loses a game somewhere, the Bulldogs just have to win three out of the last four to clinch the West Division. Uh, they could clinch the next three and not have anything to play for in that last game against Wyoming. So, a lot of different scenarios still in play, and a lot of it boils down to what San Jose State does, even though the Bulldogs won and, and have that tiebreaker. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be the interesting thing to keep an eye on is what the Bulldogs are able to do um, against uh, you know, against this upcoming game against Hawaii. So they need to go ahead and knock out Hawaii to, to be able to set themselves up uh, even better um, and hope that maybe one or two of these teams knock each other off uh, and that just opens up the breathing room for the Bulldogs. So if they can go in and uh, win at least two more games, um, that should that should be uh, that should be it, right, Jackson? <laughs> be, uh, over and out, and Bulldogs would would put themselves into great position. Now, uh, being in the the conference championship, however, uh, chances of them hosting one mm, that's a different story, right, Jackson? <laughs> right right now Boise State's on their way to hosting the championship game uh, they can even drop one game assuming it's not to Wyoming and that they win the division uh, they would have the tiebreaker over Fresno State of course so it's going to take either a 6-2 and two Boise State or Wyoming in order for Fresno State to host and the Bulldogs would have to be 7-1 and one, of course and it uh, looks like it might be a little bit of a long shot right now for that to happen yeah, so there's um, in order for Fresno to host a conference championship, they're going to need a lot of help, um, and um, that uh, it. I was going to say, and that starts this weekend, but no, that doesn't really matter if they win or lose that game. 
um, because it's a uh, it's against BYU. So um, that'll that'll pretty much go into effect next week when Boise takes on Nevada, and then Wyoming. I mean, it, things things could still happen. However, right now Boise is in that driver's seat for hosting the conference championship. Fresno State is on the outside looking in. However, they're in a good position to uh, be the opponent against Boise State and get a second crack at the at the the Broncos in trying to uh, getting that monkey off of their back this season. So, um, I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see how things shake out. Um, but as far as the Bulldogs are concerned. They just need to keep winning. <laughs> if if they beat Hawaii this upcoming week, this weekend, then they should be in a really great position uh, to to getting into a the conference championship. Uh, that being said, Jackson, any uh, any other items you want to go over before we start wrapping this one up? Yeah, we've got a uh, basketball coming up. The scrimmage is uh, Wednesday night here, and. See what we learned for the exhibition game against Stanislaus State. See what we learned about the basketball team. I was out there over the weekend for Dunks and Donuts, uh, the open practice that they had, and uh, it was nice to see all the players in uniform, no injuries, which has been a challenge this preseason. And it was nice to get my free donut, as well as about 500 other people I think that were there. So kudos to Fresno State for being well stocked with the donut. Um, and uh, got just got to see the team in action a little bit. Again, we'll learn a little more tonight at St. Mark Center, and then the Bulldogs are back on Monday to host Fresno Pacific, which uh, FPU is Division Two, but it is technically Fresno State season opening game. It does count towards the record, and um, just as any other game would. So uh, I'm sure there'll be some Sunbird fans there and some Bulldog fans there, and it should be a fun environment to, to get the season started and. Hopefully it is a low-pressure situation for the dogs to get that win and then uh, get into some more uh, realistic competition uh, soon after that. Absolutely. So, the, you know, the, the basketball season is just now starting to kind of uh, get going um, as the football season is starting to kind of get into that second uh, second wind and, and, and finishing that one up. But... We'll, we'll switch gears soon enough, right, Jackson? We'll, we'll switch gears into basketball uh, eventually, but right now it's a heavy dose of football, uh, and then we'll we'll kind of convert over to basketball at some point and, and get you all that coverage that you're going to need. Um, right. And we've got recruiting that mixes in with all that too. Uh, it's been a little while now since the Bulldogs have picked up a football commit, but we're getting into the, the stretch here, a month and a half away from signing day, so that's going to ramp up real quick. And uh, another round up to the February signing day, and now we've got the transfer portal that extends this whole thing even farther from February. So uh, a lot of recruiting action here to come, and we've got you covered on the VIP side. It's just a dollar joint for your first month if you want to check it out. You can get a year for thirty percent off, and uh, we can get the scoop from last weekend's game. There were more than twenty recruits we confirmed there. You can see uh, who was in and which prospects the Bulldogs are uh, heating up here for with signing day approaching. Absolutely, yeah. So keep uh, keep checking the board as Jackson will will continue to get you all the latest news on on recruiting and uh, and just where the Bulldogs stands as of right now. Jackson, where are the numbers as far as commits are concerned for for Fresno State? Uh, do you have that off the top of your head? Yeah, I do because it's a kind of a small number. <laughs> it's only six <laughs> right now, which is not what we're used to seeing. But uh, this is where you see um, some of the changes in college football and with the changes in the uh, temporary COVID uh, eligibility waiver where we're still going to have a few more seasons of these where guys are going to have an extra year of eligibility. They're going to be able to stick around for a sixth year. Um, we've got a roster breakdown, the scholarship distribution chart is, I guess, more accurate to call it, uh, where we look at all the players and really clarify uh, how many seasons everyone has left and what's their real eligibility. A lot of the times you look at the roster and they might say senior and they might have two more years of eligibility. You might see uh, freshmen 
but they might be there for three years already. So there's uh, some confusing aspects to it, and we break it down there. And on paper, the Bulldogs only have six super seniors, so there's not a lot of room for high school recruits. Uh, they're still going to sign some more. You assume some more players are going to leave. And then um, you're going to see some roster overhaul in the offseason, too, with players entering the portal and, and new ones coming in. So by the end of the day, you're probably going to see a 20-plus excuse me about 20 plus new players come into the program uh, but right now the Bulldogs have six high school commits and I think we'll probably see that number double between the next couple of signing days but it's going to be uh, junior college recruits and, and transfers and those kind of guys that are going to be probably more of the headline news and the stuff that we're really going to be tracking beyond signing day too. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's constantly changing. It is it, the recruiting system for Fresno State is is a monster. It's alive. It's constantly moving, and with all the rules and everything that's going on, um, it makes things a little bit interesting, so to speak. Especially with the transfer portal, um, it uh, you could see a number of players coming in um, that were starters at other schools. And um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how the Bulldogs are able to, to kind of work that transfer portal and trying to get some some season talent in here for next season. Uh, but that being said, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. As always, head over to our Facebook page. Give it a like as well. And, uh, and if you haven't done so already... Go over to thebarkboard.com where we have both free and premium subscriptions. But I'm going to tell you, the premium subscription is where you want to be as that is where all the latest news and updates is reported uh, well before it is made public to the general public. So that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>